You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. All right, we're going to start with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Thank you all for being here. Can everybody hear me? Let's go. That's good. All right. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we can all gather here as one body to hear your word. Thank you for this weekend that our church puts together these amazing events that we can all just get to know other single disciples around our region and California and other states as well. Thank you for everyone that has worked tirelessly to put this large event together And thank you for all the connections that have been made already and for those that will be made this weekend, Lord willing. Um, And I thank you most of all just for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us so that we can be here today. And Father God, I just pray that you'll remove me and use me as a vessel to speak your word today. I pray that you'll use me to speak confidence into someone's life today, that you'll use me to speak motivation into someone's life today, and that we'll all leave here feeling encouraged and equipped to live both spiritually fit and physically fit. All these things I actually pray and thank you for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, good morning. Um, I saw a few of you earlier at the uh, fitness class. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you all for doing that. Uh, my name is Michael Moses. I am a fitness professional and online health coach and the founder of Promised Land Fitness, which is a... Um, it's a community designed to help you reach your optimal fitness level in the shortest amount of time. As a fitness professional, I teach both group and personal training courses and also create specialized courses on a beginner, intermediate, and advanced level. Today, I'm here representing the LA metro region. <laughs> and um, I'm very excited. I feel very honored and privileged to be here to speak God's word with you today. <clears throat> I'm also joined by Allie. Come on, Allie. Um, she is uh, she is from Orange County, and a few moments she will be able to share her incredible testimony with you. So we're looking forward to that. <clears throat> so Ali and I are grateful that you're all here joining us. We feel very encouraged by that. But I would like to give you I would like you to give yourself a round of applause because you being here means you're serious about your health and wellness. <clears throat> Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The title for today's message is Created in the Image of God. So please turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter one. We're gonna start from the beginning. As you turn there, um, I would encourage you to take notes, whether that be on a laptop, tablet. Uh, some of you old school folks might want to use a pen and paper. That's fine as well. Uh, yeah, I see you back there. Um, this uh, message today has two points. That is God's image and God's body. So in Genesis, we're starting in chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock 
and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So this passage is telling us two things. One, that God created us in His image. And two, that God is more than one. We can see that idea expressed whenever it says, then God said, let us make mankind. Therefore, as Christians, we understand the fact that God is triune. Meaning there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But what you might not know is that man is triune as well. So please turn your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Starting in verse 23, the scripture says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So man, specifically Christians, consists of spirit, soul, and body. Therefore, just as God is triune, Man is triune. God is a much greater trinity, and we're a lesser trinity. So that means God created man with both material and immaterial aspects. The material part is body, and the immaterial parts are the soul and the spirit. As the creator of both physical and non-physical aspects of man, God cares about both. I think we have another slide. And yet... I've noticed that most non-Christians focus on the physical and neglect the spiritual, while most Christians focus on the spiritual and neglect the physical. <laughs> yeah. So I just really want you to uh, just focus on that for a moment. Um, you know, it's very common to know that as Christians, you know, a lot of us are obese. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why it's that way. But... So what do I mean by that? I think it's obvious that most non-Christians focus their efforts on how they look, what they wear, things like that, while many of us Christians spend our time um, reading the Bible and praying. Now, let's be honest. Tell the truth. We all know that pizza is a very staple food in the kingdom. All right. yes. We eat pizza on Sundays after church. We eat pizza on Wednesdays after midweek. We also eat pizzas uh, on Friday after devotionals. And I don't have anything against pizza. All I'm trying to say is that we need to do these things in moderation. <clears throat> we have to realize that God cares not only about our spiritual health, but our physical health as well. So let's look at a scripture that expresses that idea. Proverbs chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So here the Bible is telling us that if we follow God's commands, it adds years to our life. So skip down a little bit to verse 5. It reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. 
This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So from this we can see that the Bible is telling us if we do things God's way and not our way, that we'll be healthier. So in other words, verses 1 through 2 are telling us that God's commands will bring quantity to our life. While verses 5 through 8 tell us that if we do things God's way, it's going to bring quality to our lives. So I just want you to let that sink in for a moment. That the creator of heaven and earth not only cares about your soul and spirit, but cares about your physical health as well and your body. Now let's let's talk a little bit about the connection between your mind and body. Because embracing the image of God means embracing the mindset of God as well. So, let me tell you a story. (laughs) Um, So I've been a personal trainer for about eight years now. And during that time, I've worked with many clients. And whenever I'm usually having that first meeting with a potential client, um, they usually mention things of, uh, like, I don't want to work out in the gym because, you know, I feel self-conscious. Um, I don't know what to wear. I feel like people make fun of me. Or they mention things like, um, I just don't feel confident in myself because of the way I view myself or because of the way others tell me that they view me. And it just doesn't feel good. But may I submit to you that the reason it upsets you when people talk about you or talk about your weight or tell you that you're not going to amount to anything is because you don't really realize who you are in Christ. You are created in the image of God. That means you're a son and daughter of a king. That means you're royalty. And once you get that in your spirit, that has nothing that anyone can take away, not even your own negative thoughts. Once you realize that God is who God, that you are who God says you are, and not who the world says you are, you'll walk around with an unbreakable, unshakable confidence, knowing that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Point number two. God's body. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Is everybody still with me? How are we doing? Good? All right, we got the scripture up there. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So there are three things the scripture tells us. Our bodies house God. Our bodies should honor God. And our bodies belong to God. So this right here is something that I could do a whole lesson on just by itself. But we don't have time today, so we're just going to focus on the last two. So did you know that your body belongs to God and not to you? That may be a newsflash for some of you. But it's a biblical truth, as we just saw. I love the way Rick Warren says it. He quotes, God made your body. Jesus died for your body. And he expects you to take care of your body. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So we're just going to camp here for a moment because I feel like this scripture has a really huge concept. The verse says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
I think that scripture is amazing because it's, it's literally telling us that every aspect of our life, we should use it to glorify God. Everything we do as a Christian is supposed to glorify God, including what we eat and what we drink. God cares about what we do with our body. So I have a question for you. (laughs) That question is, have you put your eating habits under the Lordship of Christ? Or do you just lean to your own understanding, eating and drinking whatever you want, whenever you want? That means, are we, are we just taking the easy way out, just going to McDonald's four times a week? Or are we thinking about it and saying like, let me cook and eat something healthy? If you do that, you have not brought everything under the Lordship of Christ. Um, we're going to stay in 1 Corinthians, um, but let's go back a little bit to chapter 6. In verse 12, the Bible says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. It's another question, since I like questions so much. <laughs> while, you not be ma- while you may not be mastered by alcohol or sexual sin, are you mastered by sugar? Do you have to eat something sweet with every meal? Well, <laughs> do you do you do you consume too much candy? Drink too much soda? Or are you that one who feels like you have to go to Starbucks every day for a mocha latte? As Christians. You cannot allow yourself to be mastered by anything, not money, not pornography, not nicotine, not caffeine, not even sugar. Now, I do want to make a small caveat here, because you can be mastered at the other extreme as well. So like myself, for example, I'll use myself. There was a time when I used to work out six and seven times a week, um, sometimes twice a day. And it got to a point to where I felt like that was the most important thing in my day. And I would kind of, I found that I was kind of neglecting other responsibilities that I had because I know I had to go to the gym. And it got to a point to where, you know, I was, you know, I got my workout done, but then I kind of started using that as an excuse to say like, oh, I didn't do this because I was at the gym. Or actually, no, 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 I didn't really make that connection. I just knew that I didn't do this, but I didn't know why because I'm like, I didn't have time. And then someone pointed it out to me. They said, hey, bro. But you went to the gym today, right? And then I was like, you're right. Like, I did go to the gym today. (laughs) So they're like, you had time. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I say all that to say that you you don't want to be mastered by sugar, these unhealthy habits, but you also don't want to be mastered by the healthy habits as well. Amen. Make sense? Now, understand this whole concept may be difficult for some of you, but the good news is that you don't have to do it alone. The Bible describes the church as a body. We all know that we're different parts, but we all work together as one body. So let's take a look at one last scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another, spur on one another towards love and good deeds. 
25. Not giving up meetings together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I'd like to share one more piece of encouragement because I know that sometimes, you know, I've been doing this for a while, this training, and some people, you know, are various age groups and they say like it's too late in the game for me. But I want to encourage you that even if you're 87 years old, there's still things you can do to make a difference. Hey Amen. Come on, um, you can start. Um, like, of course, if you're 87, like you can't really do any type of strenuous exercise or anything like that. But you can start by changing your diet and making healthier decisions. And that's going to give you energy and just make you overall more healthy. And if you're already 7, you do want to consult with your medical um, physician, <laughs> things like that, um, <laughs> before you make any drastic changes. But I'm just saying all that to say that it's never too late in the game to make a difference. You just have to start with that one simple change. So as I bring this message to a close, you see each of these scriptures has a strong theme of unity, encouragement, and love. When you apply these biblical principles to your health and wellness, you find that it is important to have a partner and it is imperative to be involved in some type of community that can help support and encourage you onward to achieving your personal promise line of fitness. And this is how I define your personal promise line of fitness as the place where you reach your optimal fitness level and are completely satisfied with your physical health. So remember, the main idea of what we've been talking about today is stewardship. Being a steward means that you are a manager and not an owner. You were created in the image of God. He cares about your spirit, your soul, and your body, so you must honor him in every aspect of your life. Amen. All right, this time, Allie will come share with you her testimony. Okay, that was so good. I'm like super encouraged. Um, whoops, no, it's okay. Okay, so I'm going to share my testimony, and I have five different points that I'm kind of going to relate to that. Um, the first one for me in, in this journey is identifying the sin in your life. So for me, that's gluttony, which, you know, a lot of people, we don't like to talk about that, right? Like, ah, oh, like food is an issue, right? Um, but gluttony is the habitual greed or excess in eating. And for a long time, I was unaware of my sin as it relates to gluttony, um, mostly because I had struggled with this since I was a child. So I firmly believe that this was just kind of something that I struggled with, and this is the way that I was. Um, and I had no other reality outside of my life and gluttony. So I didn't really know anything different. Therefore, I dismissed it and chalked it up to it just being the way that I was. Um, and food is such a big part of our lives. We need it to sustain us. And addressing the sin of gluttony as it relates to food can be a taboo subject because we don't like to talk about it. Um, and I think for me, like, I don't like to talk about it. And even today, mentioning it and discussing it, like, I don't, this isn't something I'm like, yeah, I really want to talk about this. Like, it's a struggle. It is really difficult um, even to discuss. And um, the fact that my overindulgence in food put Jesus on the cross and hurt him um, was super eye-opening because I never viewed it that way before. And... It wasn't until I realized the way that I was living was sinful um, that I really decided, like, okay, I need to repent of this sin. And um, I felt more shame and embarrassment thinking about the fact that at the time, I had, so this was about two years ago, I had been a disciple for eight years, and I had just now 
like decided to make a decision to change my life, but, but making it about God instead of other things. Um, and I wasn't doing this for myself or to look a certain way. I was doing this because, um, I wouldn't be able like, sorry, I was doing this because eight years prior I had made a decision to die to myself and live for Christ. And I was scared that I wouldn't be able to repent. I was scared that this would be something that I would struggle with, um, that I would continue to fall into this sin. And what if I didn't lose weight? Because weight is such an outward, like, um, expression of, of us repenting in that way. Right. So I thought, okay, well, if I don't lose weight, then it's kind of like, whatever, like I'm not repenting. But then I thought, um, about this, I thought, like, what if I stayed the same way, whether I stopped overeating or if I continue to overeat? Would I continue to overeat if weight wasn't a factor? But then I thought, no, because that's not repentance, right? Like, it doesn't matter. It's about your heart and it's about what what is actually hurting God and repenting of that sin. Um, and I didn't know where to begin. I thought, okay, I've, I've tried this before and it hasn't worked out. Like, what do I do? But I knew that I needed to rely on God as my number one, despite all of the things that I was feeling. Um, and I felt like this is going to be an impossible journey for me. I felt like, um, I just, I didn't think that it was possible. I felt really faithless. And in Matthew 19, 26, it says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And this is the scripture that I meditated on constantly through this because, um, I really felt like it was impossible and it was like without God, I had, I had started so many different things and failed. Um, but I knew that this time it was going to be different because my focus would be God. So then my next point is identifying the sin as a coping mechanism. So for me, um, I don't know if any of you have heard of disturbing, Sturb, S-T, or, okay, what's up? Yes, exactly. So it, it stands for short-term energy relief. I've seen relieving, releasing behavior. Um, and it's a continuously repeated, sometimes involuntary or compulsive behavior for releasing the buildup of energy caused by unresolved emotions or trauma. And, um, I was eating as my coping mechanism for most things. So if I was feeling sad, I would eat. If I was feeling happy, I would eat. Um, and it would provide this momentary satisfaction, but sometimes it wasn't even about that because I would binge and then it wouldn't even be satisfying. Like I would end up feeling sick afterward and just feeling unhappy. And it was this vicious cycle. Um, then that feeling of regret, regret would like pop up again. And I'm like, Oh man, why did I do this? Um, and it's funny because I would eat as a way to control. Like I felt like, okay, if I'm eating this, like I'm controlling what I'm eating and I'm going to eat a lot because I, I want to not feel what I'm feeling. Um, but what I failed to realize is that it was actually a lack of control. And the reality was that I was trapped in this sin and I felt like I couldn't overcome it. Um, and I remember one time my mom had, had shared this with me and it really stuck with me. She said, um, you ate and were overweight because you were unhappy. You weren't unhappy because you were overweight. And so that triggers something as I'm like, wow, that's so true. Like, okay, so I wasn't because I was overweight. And I'm like, oh, I'm overweight. Like, oh, this sucks. Like, I want to lose weight. Da, da, da. It was more about, okay, well, what caused me to get to that point? And so that brings me to my second point, which is identify the trauma that is linked to your sin. So um, when searching for the source of why we do the things that we do, we often think back to like our childhood, right? Like, okay, well, what, what triggered this? What caused this? And um, me and my roommate, we always joke about this because whenever we're talking about something like that's going on in our life, we're like, it's because of the trauma, isn't it? Like we always bring it back to the trauma. It's always the trauma. Um, but I think for me, like, so some of the trauma in my life, um, I would say is like growing up, my parents were never together. 
they were separate. So I would go back and forth from my dad's house to my mom's. Um, and my parents were two opposite extremes. Like, even if you were to see them, you're like, really, they were together. Like, that's so weird. They were 20 years apart. They're just very different lifestyles, very different people, very different values. Um, and my mom was more like, she was more health oriented. So like sugary cereal was a treat. Like we did not get that. It was like, yeah, you get this like once every so often. So that was really exciting. Um, and then on the other hand, my dad was very, um, like lack. So he would feed me anything. Like we would go to the store and buy like those huge bags of chips, like the family size. And I would eat the whole thing. Like, so I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to eat this whole bag. No big deal. Um, and so I think because of that, it was just very different. Um, and then I think the dangerous part too was, um, my dad, we would go to buffets a lot. And if you don't have self-control, it's all downhill from there. Like it's, it's tricky. So yeah. So, um, not only were my food choices different depending on which parent I was with, but they, um, but also like the stability in general. My mom provided a safe place. She was very protective and tried to guard me from many things. And at my dad's, I was free to kind of do whatever I wanted. Um, but there was always this expectation to do the right thing. Um, when we were together, he would treat me like a little adult, like his sidekick, um, which wasn't, wasn't good for me. And it also wasn't healthy because that meant that I would do everything with him. So I was often put in these really unhealthy situations for a child. Um, and I didn't know how to deal with that. Um, and then I ended up basically having this like deep rooted, um, resentment towards my mom. Cause I felt like she didn't protect me and she allowed me to be in these situations and she allowed me to be with my dad. And so then that built up, I harbored a lot of resentment. Um, and ultimately when I was with my dad, there would be a lot of situations where, um, something would happen. We would disagree or something. And he would just go into a full blown, like fit of rage. And it didn't matter where it was. It could be at his house. It could be in public. And he would just start yelling at me and he would tell me I was stupid. He would tell me that I didn't matter. He would tell me, how could you even think of that? Like that doesn't even make sense. And just all of these things really like that were not obviously helpful. Um, and as a child, like I didn't know what to do. And it's like, this is your parent. Like you're supposed to be respectful. And I think, um, because of all these things he said, like I started to believe them. I started to feel like I was stupid and I wasn't worth it. And, um, it became really difficult because once you believe those things, like it kind of sets off this whole like, like reaction into other things. And, um, in that I would shut down when he would say things to me. And then after that he would come back and it would be one moment of like yelling at me and being super aggressive. And then the next moment, like, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, like, it's okay. Like everything's fine, but I was never heard. He would never let me express how I was feeling. And so I felt like my feelings were never valid. Um, and because of that, I, um, like, because he would kind of try to, like, fix the situation, oftentimes he would, pretty much every time, he would try to fix it by giving me food. So he would say, okay, well, that's okay. Let's go get ice cream. Let's go get this. Let's go get that. Like, whatever sweet treat. And so I thought, okay, yeah, let's do that. And then everything was better, even though I never expressed how I really felt. And because of that, I ended up associating um, love with food. And so when I needed love, I ate. When I, when people gave me food, I felt encouraged and I felt loved by that. Um, and I think also in addition to that, because I, I often felt like I was unheard. Um, I felt like I wasn't worth it and it was difficult for me to cope with those feelings. Um, so what did I do? I just continued to eat. Um, and then the, the next point, so second to last is create a plan of repentance. So for me, this was challenging because, um, 
I didn't really know what to do. And then God kind of provided this opportunity for me. So I ended up committing myself to a year of not eating any sugar or flour. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I can't do this on my own, but I'm going to do this with God. Like it's going to be great. Um, and I had lost the privilege of eating addictive foods, sugar and flour, because I had no self-control. I just thought, you know what this is, I've lived, you know, 28 years with, with all these things. And now like, I'm just going to see what God's going to do. So um, I took this opportunity to allow God to transform me. And um, I thought, this is between me and God. It isn't about people. Um, and the first year was really hard. The first month, it was like, basically, I've never done drugs before, but I can imagine that maybe it was like <laughs> stopping drugs because I had withdrawals. Like, it was a, it was a struggle. And... Um, and then after the first month, things got a bit easier and I was like, okay. And I had other women in my life that helped me, um, do this and were doing this with me. And so that obviously the accountability was really great. Um, and then through that I ended up, which this is like super embarrassing for me to share. And I think as women, you probably relate to this, but like I started losing my hair because I had lost weight so quickly and I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Like, this is so embarrassing. Like I would be in the shower and just like my hair would like come out and I'm like, okay. And I struggled for, with that for months. Like it, it continually happened, but in my mind, I struggled with it for months. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. Like, maybe I should just start eating that again because my hair wasn't falling out then. Like, I'll just start eating things. And so I tried to justify it. Um, but then I thought, like, this this was a commitment between me and God. And it was going to, if I was going to lose my hair through all of this, but be right before God, then so be it. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And it took a long time to get there. So it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, and then on April 1st of this year, marked two years that I had not eaten sugar or flour. So yeah, so anything is possible, even if you feel like it's not. And then my last point is create new coping mechanisms. So it feels so good to honestly be able to overcome a sin in, like completely. Like I still struggle with like temptation of wanting to eat different things, but to really overcome that and feel like, wow, like this is really cool. Like I'm, I don't struggle with that. Um, is it's a really awesome feeling, but it's inevitable for us to create new coping mechanisms in order to replace old ones. So, um, I remember one day I was feeling a lot of emotions and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, Oh, this is horrible. I want to cry. I want to yell. I want to scream. Like, I don't know what to do here. And I was going to go to the gym. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's a good way to deal with these things. And I thought, Oh, I don't want to go to the gym. Like if I go to the gym, I'm going to let them win. I don't know if you guys ever have those thoughts. Like who's them? I don't know, but they're going to win and they can't. Um, So then I thought like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to eat something. No, I can't do that. I'm going to go shopping. Shopping's a a disturb for sure. Um, yeah, most places were closed at this time. It was really late. And then I was like, okay, I'll call someone because often we do that, right? As a coping mechanism, like I'm not going to go to God. I'm going to call my best friend. I'm going to call this person and I'm going to talk to them instead. Um, and then I went through this entire list of alternate coping mechanisms. And then, um, and you know what the last thing on my list was? Yeah, to pray. And so to my shame, that was my last thought, but thankfully it was my first action. And I think that's where it counts, right? Like we can have all these other thoughts, but what what are you going to do? What's your first action going to be? And um, I ended up going to the beach. I rolled down my windows. I put on worship music and I prayed and I was crying. And I realized that this is the moment God wants me in. Like he wants me to be helpless and to rely on him. And he wants all of us to be in that moment and feel helpless because he wants to be our coping mechanism. So my question to you is, will you choose Christ as your coping mechanism? Thank you.
Wow, that's a great testimony. Um, thank you for sharing. Let's give it up for her one more time. Um, something that I got that she said in the very beginning, but I think it was a very powerful and thought-provoking statement. She said, my overindulgence in food put Jesus on the cross, and I need to repent of it. And I think that's really powerful because um, we can think of that way in every area of, of our life. Like how I talked about not being mastered by the sugar, but then also not being mastered by the healthy actions as well. Um, we have to realize that these things are sin, and that we do need to repent of it. You know, whether what side of the spectrum that we're on. Um, so um, I was told that um, we did want to leave a few minutes at the end for um, any type of feedback or questions, um, anything like that. If you wanted to ask uh, me questions or Ali questions, we do want to have this time for that. So the floor is open if anybody has any comments, questions. Um, over here. All right, anybody else? Um, right there. Okay, that's good. Oh, right, right back there. Okay. Um, somebody's listening to our lesson here. Um, so I, I, at the end, I know I was speaking about, you know, God's body is, um, you know, we're, we're a community. We all work together as one. So, um, so for that, I did start a, um, a Facebook page. And the idea behind that, well, actually, let me explain. Let me say a little bit more. So I have a Facebook page called Promised Land Fitness, but I created that before I was a disciple. So it's really not like disciple clean yet as far as like I was a regular trainer, had my shirt off, things like that. But I realized now as a disciple, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. I need to be like a kingdom trainer. So that's like my focus now. So I do have another page. It's on Facebook. It's called um, Trainer Moses 4-2, the number 4-2. Um, so if you want to just like like that page, what I do there is I put um, inspirational quotes. We do motivational Mondays. Um, we do workouts. Um, I post workouts of my clients. But the idea behind it is that, um, for example, I, I talked about this earlier in my fitness class at 7 a.m. There's, um, like, there's people in there that are from various age ranges to, like, 20 to, like, 50, 60. And I think whenever people look at me, they say that, oh, this guy's always been in shape. Like, this stuff is easy for him. Like, I can't really relate. But whenever you're, like, a sister who's, like, 55 and you have a trainer, you're working out, you have, like, some knee issues, you have hip issues, but you're still able to modify your workouts and do different things, I think that's very motivational to your other sisters who might be able to connect with you. So the idea of having the community on the Facebook is just so that you can post those things and then other people can see it and be motivated. We can encourage each other and all work out and all be fit together. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn. Let me go to this side of the room.
Mm. Okay, so, and so in my opinion, like sugar is not all bad. It's not something that, like, I, I appreciate her. You know, she cut it all the way out. Um, but I'm big on moderation. Moderation. So, like, sugar in itself is not a sin. But if you're mastered by sugar, then it is. Because you're allowing yourself to be controlled by it and you feel like you have to have it. So, you know, if you're, if you're in a position where you're having it every single day and you, like, you feel like you need this type of thing, it may not be the best idea to just cut it out completely. But it would be good to say that, okay, like Friday nights, like I know on Friday nights I like to watch. Um, well, I think like Thursday nights, I think Grey's Anatomy comes on. I like to watch that. I like to eat my ice cream. So that's fine. Just tell yourself, okay, Thursday night, I'm going to have my ice cream, but then I'm not going to do it any other day of the week. That's what I say for that. Uh, let's go back over here. What's up? Yes, um, that's a great question, and um, it's something that I struggled with myself. Um, and the thing is, the question that I had to ask myself is like, for example, um, like what's something that you're not interested in whatsoever? Knitting. Okay, so knitting, right? So there could be there could be a sister in your ministry that's really big on knitting, and like she might have this knitting community, and she might have a knitting event. So I think initially you feel like I don't want to go to that because I don't like knitting. So I had to ask myself that too, and I, I was thinking around, like, you know, there's a lot of people um, in our ministry that are doing a lot of different things, and it's like, I found myself only, like, trying to support my events, but then I had to ask myself, like, okay, if I want these people to come to my events, I also need to support them, especially whenever it's something that I have zero interest in. So um, I think that's one big thing, just, um, and I'm not saying that you don't do this already, but it's really trying to just get out there and just go to something that's totally out of your comfort zone, something that you have no interest in whatsoever, and then you can kind of understand the mindset of people who are not really interested in fitness, but, you know, you're trying to get them to come over. And then consistency is the other key. As, um, like today, I mean, we didn't have a lot of people, but I think it was still a good class. Like we still had like 15, 20 people, so it ended up still being a good group. And if we do that consistently, it will continue to grow. So I just encourage you to be consistent and just also support other events in your ministry as well. Amen, brother. Yeah. Um, I think how much time we got. Okay, we got time for like two more questions. One right here. So, uh, I work full time, and by the time I get home from the gym, shower, clean up, you know, get things ready, it's already late, and I'm not trying to like cook really long meals. So my issue right mm. now is being active, but getting meals prepped and ready that are cohesive. Mm. I know how to make chicken, rice, all that stuff, but my meals mm. aren't coming together, and they're just separate components, and it gets kind of boring after a while. Mm. Okay, good question. Um, so I can share what I do. Um, I know that definitely the most cost-effective way is to cook yourself. But I know sometimes before, like, I would eat out every day, and I noticed I was spending a lot of money doing that, especially if I'm trying to eat healthy foods. Like, I go to Salada a lot. Um, their salad's like $10, really good. You can put avocado, everything. It's awesome. But um, what I do now is um, I order from a company called Catered Fit. 
So what they do is they deliver your food. They start on a Sunday night. They deliver you three meals, and it's going to be for uh, Monday through Thursday, and then you have your food for Friday also. So I do that because it's just an easy way to make sure I'm getting healthy food. And then once you pay them, they have a website. You go in there, and you can kind of select. They give you three options for breakfast, three options for lunch, three options for um, dinner. And then I kind of just cycle on and off because they have, you know, they have a variety, but once you do it for a while, you know, it's the same stuff. So you can just do that for like a m- two months or so and then cook, and then maybe do it again for two months, give yourself a break from cooking. But then that way you're still eating healthy throughout the whole time. Cool. Uh, one more. Right. Thank you both for today. It was wonderful, by the way. Yeah. Um, motivation is a good first first place. Yeah, we're all motivated. We want to do this. But what keeps you going and consistent? What mm-hmm. are the things that you put in place in your life? Whoever wants to answer. Because like she said, tomorrow's Sunday, yay, and then Monday. Mm-hmm. It says like 83% of people that start <clears throat> off the year with goals, they yeah. only like 10% completed at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So what keeps you guys, I mean, if both of you want to answer, how do you continue every day winning that day? All right, I'll take this one. Uh, Good question. Um, I think... So I post a lot on social media, and I feel like a lot of times when I'm posting, it's just like this encouraging stuff. I'm feeling good that day. But there is times whenever even me, like someone who loves the gym, who loves fitness, there's times that I do not feel like going. Um, so I am going to do better at posting that type of stuff, too, because I feel like it's important for everyone to hear, you know, like what goes through my mindset whenever, like, I actually love fitness, but, like, I don't actually want to go this time. Like, what motivates me? That's a good question. So for me, it's just all about thinking about why I started and where I want to go. So I just take a minute to think, like, okay, well, for me, it's like, okay, well, you know, I want to be, I want to be a person who leads by example. One of the hashtags I use is LBE24. It's lead by example 24 hours a day. So I feel like if I want to do something, I need to be, I need to embody that and live by it. But for everyone else, it's just, you know, having that mindset of, okay, like, why do I want to work out? You know, why do I have this goal? Um, you know, why do I want to eat better? Because I, I want to be healthier. I want to have more energy at work. I don't want to drink these energy drinks. I just want to focus on eating healthy foods to be able to give myself this healthy, clean energy. So I think it's just really um, honing in on that why. And then that should be able to get you there. And also setting goals. Just set a goal. And then you, if you think about it, like, I don't feel like going, but I know I have this goal. That's going to also motivate you to go. I think for me, that's why, like, even you would have asked about, like, the cold turkey situation, like, the eating. Like, for me, I had to cut it off cold turkey because I know myself, and, like, at first I could be like, oh, yeah, I'll have, like, this candy. But at first that's how it is, but then it, it spirals out of control. And that's just me because I'm a food addict, so I have issues with that, and I, I can't have self-control. So I think for me, it's, it's taking it day by day and just, okay, today I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to eat healthy, okay, then that's that's all I'm dealing with is today. That's good because you, you definitely, um, we're out of time right now, but, um, you definitely have to be honest with yourself. Like, if you're one, like how she said, that, you know, you're addicted to that thing, then you do have to cut it all the way out. But if you're one who's not, and you can, you know, do the one day a week with the Grey's Anatomy, that's totally fine too. Just know yourself and be honest with yourself. So thank God for being here. We're going to close out with a prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. 
Dear Father, thank you again for this um, awesome time that we can gather together um, in your name and just be able to speak your word, talk about health and fitness. Just thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for everyone being here to listen. Thank you for all the feedback and the questions. That shows that everyone's really engaged. And I just pray that people, um, that they took notes, that they will go and like review these things and just let your word speak to their heart. Um, I pray for the rest of this event catalyst that it will go very smooth, that we'll um, just be able to have fun and just really fellowship together. I pray that our service project today will go well that we'll be able to encourage um, anybody that we're giving these uh, packages to, and um, just that we just have a really amazing time for the rest of the weekend at Catalyst. Um, in Jesus' precious name I pray. Thank you. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.